Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. NYU professor Mitchell Stevens' recent article in Politico has headlined Goodbye Nonpartisan Journalism and Good Riddance. Stevens says that journalism in the United States was born partisan and remained for much of its history loud, boisterous, and combative. He says this changed in the 30s and 40s, beginning with influential radio newsman Lowell Thomas, who intuited that the best way to hold his large audience was to avoid excessively offending any major political group. He tried to play it, as he put it, down the middle. His successors tried to do that as well. Stevens goes on to say that uh, for um, American journalism has been changing in front of our eyes. And uh, the old, on the one hand, this, on the other hand, that style of journalism is not coming back. He says that uh, better that journalists surrender the old pretense to objectivity entirely. We'll talk about this during the hour. Mitchell Stevens is author, among other books, of The Voice of America, Lowell Thomas and the Invention of 20th Century Journalism. He's professor of journalism at New York University. Mitchell Stevens, welcome to the program. I'm delighted to be with you. This is a article that's been getting a lot of attention, I think probably for obvious uh, reasons. Um, what, uh, what precipitated this? I think that you were... You're basing this off your work on Lowell Thomas, but also, of course, the election of Donald Trump. Yeah, no, Trump is a big part of the story. But, I, you know, I, I just published this biography of Lowell Thomas, a man who everybody would have heard of uh, uh, back, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and was one of the most best-known people in the United States in the middle of the 20th century. And... Uh, and, you know, I was struck there by, you know, I had a chance to really watch what we call traditional journalism, which, you know, which has to do with, you know, you get you quote the Republicans and you quote the Democrats and everybody's supposed to be happy. I had a chance to watch it develop. And then uh, and then I had a chance to watch and, you know, it's kind of a slow motion accident. This journalism uh, crash into this uh very interesting character, Donald Trump, who uh, unaccountably became president of the United States, much to a lot of people's surprise, I think, including his own. And, uh, and you know, and again, it, it wasn't uh, a pretty thing because it was very hard to, uh, you know, to play this, this kind of objectivity game, this nonpartisan game where you quote one side and quote, and quote the other, when the two sides are are not really equal or disproportionate, and it wasn't working so well. And then uh, I think we've all had an opportunity to watch uh, mainstream journalism, journalism that did see itself as adhering to these traditional rules that Lowell Thomas helped establish, to see uh, to see how it, it tried to accommodate itself and react to the phenomenon of Donald Trump. So you write that... Um, uh an abandonment of the pretense to objectivity in many is in many ways a return to American journalism's roots. And you say that's long overdue. So the abandonment of what this, this attempt at balance. Yeah. Well, uh, well you know, I, I don't, I don't want to overstate this and I, I'm not calling for more uh, Fox news channel and MSNBC yelling. Did you hear what that, person that no one's ever heard of on the other side said the other day, that's outrageous. And, you know, and I, I certainly am not calling for the kind of journalism that is not fact-based. I'm not calling for the kind of journalism that is not fair. I think we have to be fair to those we oppose. But I am questioning this journalism that is, 
you know, that thinks its job is done if they've had a quote from the Republican and a quote from the Democrat. But that's, you know, okay, it's balanced, it's straight, I've accomplished what I need to accomplish. No, you haven't accomplished what you need to accomplish if you did that. You have a responsibility not just to balance, not just to fairness, but to uh, to trying to find out what's really going on. And I'd rather you'd express a point of view that if I'm going to learn something, then just sort of sit back and say, okay, the seesaw is balanced with these two perspectives, and my job is done. And, you know, and, and there is a tradition in American journalism of partisanship. It wasn't always this balance the seesaw game. My favorite example of that is uh, is this quote upon the retirement of one of our presidents. If ever a nation was debauched by a man, the American nation has been debauched by, and the name that completed that sentence, which appeared in the leading opposition newspaper at the time, was George Washington. Yeah. So, you know, so we've always been attacking, we've always been partisan. I think this balanced seesaw period was the exception, not the rule in American history. And I think we, you know, again, I don't want to go back to name-calling, but I think we can go back to an era, era where journalists approach things with a point of view. One of the things you point out in the era, all through our history up to the 20th century, uh, was that there were, there were so many news outlets, right? So many newspapers, especially in the big cities, uh, all different points of view. I suppose the virtue there is that uh, if you were reading several of those, you'd you'd uh, kind of get the the truth in aggregate. Is that was that the idea? Yeah, although you know, honestly, I can't say that everybody read several. People do have a tendency, you know, con- just as conservatives today more likely to watch Fox and liberals more likely to watch MSNBC on cable. Uh, I think people do tend to favor the news organs that support their point of view. But you kind of encounter the others. You know, I've seen some very interesting studies lately about how people are not quite as cocooned in their own political point of view as we fear. You know, you meet people at work with different points of view. You see things with different points of view, other pieces of paper, other, uh, you know, even on the web. You know, while we do tend to go to people whose opinions we like or on social media, on Twitter, you know, we see, you know, we, we, we see other points of view, too. And I think in those days when, you know, a city like New York, where I'm from, had 11 newspapers at one time and they spread themselves out on the political spectrum there were really right-wing newspapers and really kind of left newspapers and you know and famous journalists like uh uh joseph pulitzer and uh, horace greeley uh the man who said go west young man uh you know had had a real point of view in their papers i think uh, you know i think a lot of points of view did get out in those days and and you know i think the interesting thing is with cable television, and in particular with the internet and social media, we now have a situation where there are a lot of ways of getting the news. It's not just the three networks anymore and one paper in a big city. Now there are all sorts of perspectives, and I think, therefore, it makes kind of sense that people are moving off what uh, uh, Lowell Thomas said was 
telling the news down the middle and uh, and you know and, and adding a little point of view to their uh, to their stories do do we not lose something though in in that for you know you quote uh, we don't know if it's absolutely true Lyndon Johnson for example when Walter Cronkite finally came out against the Vietnam War says if I've lost Cronkite I've lost uh, America or whatever the quote says um, you know the most trusted man in America that sort of thing at a central news source where a lot of people uh, go to because they trust it yeah and that, that I think that's a really important point that uh, you know. There is no one today in American journalism who could say what Donald Trump is doing is not normal, for example, and uh, and have most of America say, oh, wow, he or she said that. And uh, during this period of balanced seesaw journalism, the period that really began with Lowell Thomas, who was heard by a higher percentage of Americans was told the news to a higher percentage of Americans than anybody, I think, in American history. Uh, these, these people were really trusted during this era. You know, Walter Cronkite was trusted. Tom Brokaw, you know, maybe the last of them, was trusted. And, and there's nobody like that now. There's nobody probably who, uh, you know, uh, three-quarters of Americans would even know I mean, is Anderson Cooper that well-known? Is George Stephanopoulos that well-known? You know, is uh, Megyn Kelly, is she that well-known? I don't think there is anybody, and they don't really have this trust and authority. So, yes, there was something positive about the Lowell Thomas era of journalism, something, uh, you know, that enabled Walter Cronkite's opposition to the Vietnam War, for example, to make a difference, or Edward R. Murrow taking on the uh, the rabidly anti-communist uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy to make Murrow stand there make a difference. So that's uh, in any case, I guess that horse has left the barn, right? There's there's no because of fragmentation again. It was fragmented, then it became unified, then fragmented again. No one trusted voice. You you say in this article that um, this playing it down the middle, the the you know the, the this. Uh, I guess, veneer of objectivity, the state of journalism, as it encountered uh, President Trump, or then-candidate Trump, left it vulnerable uh, to a candidate like him. What, 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 uh, vulnerable to what? Vulnerable to a candidate who, I guess in the view of a lot of people, is plays fast and loose with the truth, um, insists that we not listen to the media. What, what were the vulnerabilities that you are talking about? Yeah, all of the above, you know, and I'm going to... You know, reveal my own perspective, obviously, in saying this. But uh, you know, I think you know, we have a lot of fact-checking uh, uh, operations going on in the media now, and, and no one has seen uh, somebody say as many things that don't check out as uh, the current president of the United States. And if you just run his statement and then have some statement of a critic of his on on the other side, and you balance the seesaw. Well, that's just not right, you know, because one person just is holding himself, it seems, to a different standard of facticity than uh, than the other side. And it was a big moment in journalism. I mean, my my friends in uh, in journalism were all were all noting it when the New York Times 
used the word lie about something that Donald Trump said, and they used it in the headline. That, that, that was something that back in the uh, Lowell Thomas, Walter Cronkite days, you just wouldn't have done. You wouldn't have done about, a, a, he was in a presidential candidate for, for a major political party, the Republicans. And, uh, and, but, but, you know, you kind of, I think the journalists felt they had a essentially call a lie, a lie. And 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 this is this is this has been fascinating to watch to watch journalism changing before our eyes in response to uh, this very very unusual figure, Donald Trump. So that uh, I'm understanding you correctly, you're 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 saying that uh, journalists, news organizations need to shed this goal of nonpartisanship in order to. In order to combat this, I guess, new style of political figure, in order to get updated to to our times. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're just gonna put a statement from Donald Trump and a statement from you know, I guess it was Hillary Clinton. I know I realize some people have doubts about her truthfulness, but I think uh, you know if you trust these fact checkers, uh, you know, hers are much more within the range. Her her fudges are much more within the range of a normal politician than Donald Trump's really kind of haven't been. If you're just going to balance these things, well, you know, then you have balance, but you're not helping people get to the truth. And you're not doing what I think are, is a higher purpose of journalism. You're not helping people understand what's going on in the world. You're not enlightening them. You're not giving them insights into what is going on. And I think, uh, you know, I think the New York Times is of the world and CNN and the Washington Post and the Los Angeles Times had to, the Associated Press, the three major networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS, had to realize that uh, that it just wasn't working here. That, uh, you know, that the seesaw balance of that, as Lowell Thomas put it, playing it right down the middle, that down the middle didn't seem to be where the truth lay. Hmm. Let's take a break. When we come back more with Mitchell Stevens, uh, his article in Political Recently has got a lot of attention. Uh, Goodbye, nonpartisan journalism and good riddance is the uh, headline. Uh, Mitchell Stevens is author, among other books, of The Voice of America, Lowell Thomas and the Invention of 20th Century Journalism. He uh, definitely is part of this story. We'll talk a little more in depth about him as we go along. Mitchell Stevens is a professor of journalism at New York University, and we'll have more following this break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about journalism today, journalism in the future, uh, some history of journalism as well. Mitchell Stevens is a professor of journalism at New York University. He's author, among other books, of The Voice of America, Lowell Thomas, and the Invention of 20th Century Journalism. And his recent article in Politico is getting a lot of attention. It's headlined, Goodbye, Nonpartisan Journalism and Good Riddance. Uh, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Lowell Thomas uh, and get us into uh, talking a little bit more about this uh, idea of objectivity. Would you say, uh, you know, journalists should uh, set that aside, get at the truth, uh, that'd be the top goal, I guess. Um, so Lowell Thomas, my understanding is this idea of playing it down the middle, this was at least in part a commercial decision, right? He wanted a large audience. Yeah, well, so Lowell Thomas takes over after a few months, the very first uh, network uh, radio newscast. It's on five nights a week, 
And uh, when he took it over, he was heard on both NBC and CBS. And uh, suddenly he has access to pretty much the whole United States, if they're near the right radio transmitter. And suddenly he has, a, he has this huge audience, an audience that had never been seen before in American journalism. Now, he himself was a Republican. He was buddies with Herbert Hoover after his presidency. He was buddies with basically every uh, Republican president afterwards and some of the Democrats, too. He played softball against a team managed by uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he was president of the United States. But his, his inclinations were Republican. And if he came on the air and gave a Republican slant on the news, then he would have alienated a lot of Democrats and his audience would have been, you know, half as large, let's say. So so he got this idea that he ought to play it down the middle. Now, some of the other people who did network news on the radio after him didn't play it that way. Uh, you know, one of them said, I think the meat is in argument. And he thought it was a lot more interesting to uh, have a point of view, his, this guy's point of view. Uh, was uh, anti-Roosevelt, and you know some were pro-Roosevelt in the 1930s, but you know, but Lowell felt that he'd get the biggest audience by uh, by not attacking Roosevelt, not attacking Hoover or the other candidates who ran against Roosevelt by just playing it straight, and uh, and it worked. Mm. He got a huge audience, you know, again as pretty much as big an audience as anybody any teller of news has ever gotten. If you throw in the fact that he also hosted the uh, the most watched newsreels shown in American movie theaters twice a week. And, uh, uh, you know, so it was an effective strategy. And it was a strategy imitated by Huntley and Brinkley when they had the top-rated television newscast. And a strategy also employed by Walter Cronkite when he got, you know, 22 million people watching him deliver the news every evening on CBS. And it was a strategy used by Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings and Dan Rather and all these people who were very, very big names in America. And uh, and I think we, because of the fragmentation of the media now, uh, the strategy no longer is working so well. Uh, but this is, a lot of people hold on to this, right? You're, you've been getting some pushback to your <laughs> your article uh, because this is this is what we've known for most of the 20th century. Yeah, this is the journalism that most of us grew up with. And, uh, you know, the journalism of uh, Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings and Dan Rather and newspapers that tried to play it down the middle. And uh, we're used to thinking that journalists should have no point of view. They should just present the facts. Well, of course they should just prevent the, present the facts, but sometimes a point of view is enlightening when you're trying to understand the facts. Mm. You know, and also in this new media world, facts come at us at such a rapid place from so many directions that just the facts is no longer quite enough. I want to know what's behind the facts. You know, we're we're living in a in in a week now when there are all these new revelations about contacts between uh, uh, members of Trump's family and and his campaign and uh, and Russians. And you know, yes, there is the fact of uh, you know what a newspaper in the New York Times in this case is reporting. But you know, I want people to give me the meaning of that fact. And actually, you know, I don't 
I like reading conservatives and how they're looking at it, and also uh, liberals and how they're looking at it and trying to place this stuff in context and try to stand back from it. And I know where they're coming from, but, uh, you know, but I, I, I can learn from that. And I can, you know, I, I don't believe in a big capital T truth necessarily, but it gets me closer to an understanding of what is happening and what maybe is going to happen here. I want to follow up that big uh, capital T truth, at least maybe lowercase t truth. Um, uh, you know, uh, President Trump encourages his supporters, don't listen, essentially, don't listen to any other outlet, maybe Fox, don't listen to anyone but me. I'll give you the truth. Yeah, that's that's scary for anyone who has a sense of history. Uh, not so much American history, but uh, European history and Asian history. We've seen... Uh, too many leaders who uh, uh, who try to uh, to get their followers to uh, ignore uncomfortable news stories and uh, and this you know and and President Trump's uh, uh, ease in calling uh, fairly legitimate reporting fake news is really frightening. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of us in journalism, this doesn't mean. Uh, Television networks and uh, and newspapers always get the news right. I mean, CNN clearly made a mistake on a on a story, but they apologized for it. They actually fired the people responsible for it. It looks like they corrected it, and most of the reporting uh, that we've seen that has questioned uh, uh, behaviors of the Trump campaign and the Trump administration has stood up. It's not really been challenged. It's uh, it's well sourced. It, uh, some of it's coming from the White House itself, and uh, and uh, and to just yell fake news every time some story appears that uh, the Trump administration doesn't like for good reason uh, is, uh, I, is I think scary. That's that's the road towards uh, authoritarianism. I fear that that really doesn't have much precedent in the United States, and we've always uh, cherished. Uh, a free and open and critical press, as I said. I mean, the uh, the first uh, first president, the father of our country, George Washington, was subject to uh, vicious attacks in the press, as was Thomas Jefferson, as was Alexander Hamilton, now a hero because of this play on Broadway, as was as was Abraham Lincoln, as was uh, Franklin Roosevelt, as was Teddy Roosevelt. And all these men managed to withstand it. And, you know, they, they said some angry things, but nothing quite like what we're seeing from the uh, Trump administration now. Mm. It's my view. That, um, correct uh, correct me if, uh, if you think it's wrong, but my view that the news media, the, the vast majority of the news media these days, feels like the stakes are raised because of the uh, potential attacks on the on the fourth state, um, and therefore more concerns so in some circles in, in journalism, uh, more concern should be placed on we should be seen as trusted, we should be seen as legitimate, and that's where some of the this this view of we should be at least seen as object uh, of objective, we should be seen as as balanced. Um, you're. I don't know if you share those worries. Do you, do you feel the news media will still be seen in large parts of the country as legitimate, as trusted, even if they drop this uh, this objectivity? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, 
I had, I've been squirreled away researching uh, the story of Lowell Thomas. I'm pleased that it turns out to be pretty relevant to uh, what's going on in uh, journalism today and in politics today. But I haven't been writing too much stuff for for the web and uh, and and appearing on Twitter and Facebook and these things. And I must admit, I was shocked by the vehemence with which this article I published on Politico. Uh, was received. I mean, uh, you know, every time they, uh, the, the way, way these things work apparently now is they'll, you know, every uh, six hours or so they'll, they'll put the article back up again and send tweets out to everybody. And they would just, every time they do that, there'd just be a storm of comments and, uh, and, uh, you know, and conservatives, I think just in some cases, just reading the uh, the headline, not the uh, whole article, which has some history in it and such, uh, would say, "See, we told you so. I told you that the the journalists are no longer uh, are no longer nonpartisan. They're all biased." And uh, you know, liberals would carry on. Also, I think in some cases, without uh, having read more than the headline, and uh, and it got everybody very agitated. And there's no, you know, so what you're saying is right. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Trump would like and Republicans would like uh, everybody to think that journalists are viciously anti-Trump and anti-Republican. And, uh, you know, and there's a sense in which they are anti-Trump and anti-Republican. I think most journalists, if you quiz them, would say that uh, Donald Trump's not doing a good job as president and that he does... Uh, 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 dissemble, lie more, you know, significantly more than the average politician, that he contradicts himself, that he doesn't stick to policies, that he'll say uh, uh, the Republican health care proposal is mean one day and then try to tell tell everybody to vote for it the next day, everybody in Congress to vote for it, uh, you know, shortly thereafter. Uh, so, you know, I think there is some of that, but, uh, you know, but a uh, I think what journalists should want people to believe, and I'd like to see more of this on uh, Fox News Channel, too, is that they're fair. Uh, you know, Fox News did correct something they got wrong that was then picked up by President Trump uh, the other day, and that's good. I mean, if you make a mistake, if you say something that's not right, correct it. You can have a point of view, but still correct your mistakes and try to be accurate and try to be fair. And, uh, you know, I, I saw the uh, Drudge Report on the web, which is, uh, you know, generally a very conservative website in its perspective on the news, uh, gave very significant play to this latest New York Times story uh, about a meeting uh, that Donald Trump's son organized with the Russians during the campaign. I thought that was good. This is news. Mm. And uh, you don't ignore bad news for your side. You try to treat fairly uh, people on the other side. You correct any errors you make. You try to stick to the facts. You research things thoroughly. I think so. You know, I don't think that journalists today have to spend all this effort trying to prove that they are objective, sort of impossible goal or that they are balanced, I think what they need to do is try to prove that, yes, maybe we have a point of view, but we're going to be fair, 
and we're going to be as honest as we can be and as close to that lowercase t truth as we can be. And, uh, and, and if we make a mistake, and occasionally we will, we're going to correct it. And, and, and I think that's a kind of journalism that, that people on all sides could trust. I'm not sure how uh, how much you follow European journalism. It's my vague understanding, and I want to compare and contrast, if we can, that uh, many European countries didn't follow the Little Thomas model. It's, it remained nonpartisan, and uh, I guess that's a laboratory, uh, how that's gone to, to where maybe we're headed. Uh, yeah, no, that's certainly the case. Uh you know the uh, the you know I lived in France a little bit. My French was almost good enough to kind of understand what was going on uh, in in the journalism and uh, on TV. Uh, you know, whichever party was in power got uh, got its kind of slant in the uh, in the main government-owned uh, television stations. And you know, more significantly in in France, you have a great newspaper. Le Monde, the world, uh, who, you know, who that looks at the news through a, uh, a left perspective. And you have a great newspaper, Le Figaro, forgive my pronunciations, uh, that looks at the world through a right perspective. And, and that works kind of nice. And they're both, again, they're both try to be fair. They both are very concerned with getting the facts right and correcting their errors. Uh, but, you know, that's their perspective on the world, and a perspective can be useful. And, you know, similarly in Germany, similarly in England, where I can read all the stories, uh, you know, with the uh, Daily Telegraph on the right, for example, and The Guardian on the left. Uh, you know, both really serious, really good newspapers. So, uh, yeah, so I think, I think uh, you know, their democracies have survived a less balanced, form of journalism or a, a form of journalism where uh, journalists are more upfront about where they're coming from, but still try to be fair and, uh, and, uh, and, and stick to the facts and, and correct their errors. They, their democracies have survived that pretty well. And I think, you know, that's where the United States is heading. And I don't think that's a terrible thing. Mm. You know, I should add, and uh, I should add that I think, I think there's better information available to Americans trying to understand politics in this country today than ever before. And I've read a lot of the ever before journalism. I think, uh, you know, you have to know where to look and you have to be able to shut out some of the yelling and screaming like, uh, you know, like uh, my article received on Twitter and some other in comments sections. But uh, there are incredibly good analyses of what's going on, great insights, great enlightenment come in on the left and on the right on uh, on, on the current political situation. Hmm. Uh, of course, to get a, a, a broad range, you had to make us guess it's best. You would advocate to, to read a, a variety of sources, but not everyone does. Is it one of the dangers that people worry about is uh, people get in their silos. They're very comfortable just reading things that agree with them. And then we end up not talking to each other. Yeah, that's a real problem. But, you know, that's on us in some sense. You know, that's on everybody listening. That's on me and that's on you. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to look for the other side and try to understand the other side. And, you know, if you meet people uh, uh, over beers, 
or whine, you know, bring them out. Let them say their point of view. Don't jump down their throat. Let let let's hear where the other where the other side is coming from. I think I think this is crucial. And you know, we have a journalism that you know this is not your father's journalism or your mother's journalism. This is something new. And it's the journalism into which this country was born with a lot of different voices and uh, voices that have a point of view. And uh, and it places different responsibilities on us. We can't just listen to Lowell Thomas and, uh, you know, and say, uh-huh, oh, he's, you know, always trust Lowell Thomas, always trust Walter Cronkite, always trust Tom Brokaw. Uh, we can't quite do that anymore. We got to think a little more, and uh, and work a little more, and you know, and 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 uh, graze on the internet, graze on social media. You know, eat, eat a little here and a little there, and uh, and 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 try to put together a nutritious diet of uh, journalism for ourselves. Let's take another break. We'll come back with NYU journalism professor Mitchell Stevens. Uh, He is author, among other books, of The Voice of America, Lowell Thomas, and the Invention of 20th Century Journalism. You're welcome to join this conversation. We'd love to get your perspective on the changing face of uh, news media and whether you think that direction is good or bad, uh, whether you agree with uh, Professor uh, Stevens or not. 800-826-1495 is the toll-free number, 800-826-1495, or you could join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, and we're on Twitter, at upraxcess. More following this break. 